Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and how the tech are ya? It's time for the tech news for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. Now, if you haven't seen reports already, you are likely to come across a headline or a news snippet saying something along the lines of a solar storm is going to hit the Earth tomorrow. Uh, in case you're listening from the future, tomorrow would be Wednesday, August 3rd, 2022. And if you are from the future, how'd it turn out? Are the zombies as bad as we heard? I'm kidding. So this news could sound a bit concerning. So I am here to tell you what this actually means. And right off the top, there is no need to worry. There's no cause for panic here. This is a mild solar storm, a G1 solar storm. And it's quite probable that tomorrow will come and go and most of you won't even notice anything unusual. However, solar storms do have the potential to cause some disruption here on Earth. So here's what's going on. The Earth has a strong magnetic field. And that's great because it helps protect us from being bombarded by stuff like solar debris, such as what is 
recently erupted from the sun. These particles can carry a lot of energy. They could be harmful if they were to collide with us here on Earth. In fact, life would not really be possible if it weren't for the fact that we had this magnetic field that helps protect us. The magnetic field and the, and the atmosphere together are like a force field for us here on Earth. Well, when the debris makes contact with Earth's magnetic field, that field ends up contracting a little bit. It gets, you know, constricted. It absorbs energy. And the result is we get geomagnetic storms. Now, those can actually be gorgeous. They can be spectacular if they're strong enough. Uh, fluctuations in Earth's magnetic field are sometimes visible. That's what the aurora borealis is, right? The aurora at the poles, that's from these fluctuations of the magnetic fields. Uh, so the northern and southern lights, in other words. Well, during a very powerful geomagnetic storm, those aurora can sometimes be visible much further away from the source than is typically possible. Like, Normally, for the northern lights, for example, you have to be pretty far north to see them. But in times of, of real geomagnetic storm activity, it might be possible to see them as far south as the, the Caribbean, which is unbelievable. So in places like Atlanta, Georgia, where I am, you know, that's, it's, it's almost unheard of to be able to see the northern lights. Now, to be clear, that kind of activity is not going to happen tomorrow. Again, this is a mild solar storm. People in places like Michigan and Maine might be able to see the northern lights, but folks as far south as I am are not going to see it. These storms are electromagnetic in nature, so you get these electromagnetic surges, and as a result, they can interfere with larger electronic systems and devices. Um, stuff like power grids you can see surges in power grids because these are enormous systems, right? So you can almost think of them as a huge antenna for electromagnetic surges and that can then be detected within those systems. Generally speaking, the larger the system, the more prone it is to at least being affected a little bit by solar storms. Now, a really powerful electromagnetic surge is something from a massive solar eruption or maybe something, you know, more terrestrial in, in nature, like a, a, a blast from a nuclear warhead, for example, that would be powerful enough to affect things like personal electronics. But again, that's not what's happening tomorrow. The solar storm we'll see tomorrow will be very mild in nature. So there might be some power surges here and there, but it's not going to be anything massive. At least that's not what anyone's predicting. So uh, chances are most people are going to go through the day tomorrow and not even notice that there was anything weird happening. Uh, we are entering into an era of increased solar activity. This is not unusual. This happens in cycles. The full cycle lasts 11 years. And we're coming back around to the part of the cycle where there's increased solar activity. Now, could this mean that in the future there is uh, a solar flare, a coronal mass ejection that's large enough to have a noticeable uh, effect on systems here on Earth? Yes, that is possible. Uh, way back in the 19th century, I believe it was 1859, there was a solar storm that was so powerful that it ended up uh, causing surges in telegraph lines here on Earth and, and caused issues then. That is not what we're going to see tomorrow. Doesn't mean that we won't see it in the future. It's another reminder that we have to be very careful in how we prepare and design our systems 
so that they can handle these kinds of surges. Uh, as it stands, power grids on Earth typically aren't uh, built to survive massive spikes like that. We would likely see outages in a in a truly large solar storm. So we can really think of this more as a warning, but not anything to be alarmed about uh, for the time being. Okay, let's go for another Elon Musk Twitter update. So when last we met, Twitter had sued Musk for trying to back out of his acquisition deal for the company. And a judge has now scheduled a five-day court case that's going to take place in October. And Twitter still has to hold a shareholder vote to get shareholder approval for Musk purchasing the company. That vote will happen later this year. Now, I suspect that the shareholders are going to approve of the acquisition because Musk agreed to buy Twitter at $54.20 per share. And right now, Twitter stock is currently trading, you know, somewhere around the $41 mark. So shareholders would stand to make a good amount of money if they sold their shares to Elon Musk. But the latest update is that last Friday, Musk uh, filed a countersuit against Twitter. So he has countersued Twitter. Now, we know that the filing is more than 160 pages long, but we don't know what's in it. It was privately filed. Only the court knows what's in it. Up to this point, the analysts whose work I've been reading about this haven't been terribly impressed with the arguments made by Musk's team of lawyers as to why he should be allowed to back out of the deal without any issue. But then it may be that the countersuit contains more compelling arguments. I just don't know. Now, we might get a redacted version of the countersuit before too long, and then we'll learn a bit more. Uh, I still don't know how this whole thing's going to go. So my gut tells me, the Musk is kind of up the creek due to the nature of that initial agreement to acquire Twitter. But I am no legal expert. And anyway, sometimes court cases defy logic, or at least what I call logic. Fast Company has a report on how the tech sector continues to cut back on costs, which includes stuff like hiring freezes and layoffs. So the uh, Fast Company says that Oracle uh, reports are saying that thousands of employees will be laid off in the coming months in places like the United States and Canada, India, and Europe. Shopify laid off around 10% of its workforce last month. Uh, Lyft has reorganized its business and in the process eliminated 60 jobs in its rental division. Uh, Netflix, which is a company that's been in and out of the news a lot this year due to issues with subscriber loss, has laid off around 300 employees this year so far and has also canceled a bunch of projects that I was personally looking forward to. So sad that the world is not going to get an animated movie version of Bone, a phenomenal uh, comic book series. You can get the full collection, and I highly recommend it. And it is sad that we're not going to get the animated version of it. Uh, Fast Company also notes that Coinbase, which is a cryptocurrency exchange, is going to lay off nearly 20% of its workforce. And while it wasn't part of Fast Company's report, we've also heard about companies like Microsoft and Meta and Apple putting hiring freezes in place for certain departments. We've also heard Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg indicating that the company is going to reduce headcount and try to do more with less saying things like there are probably people working here who shouldn't be working here. Fun times. Well, we've also got a few Apple-related news items to talk about that I am eager to get to. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. I'm going to talk about these Apple stories. 
Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. back. So Apple story number one, it's that uh, Apple has sent out an email to all employees saying that the company is lifting its mask mandate for employees at, quote, most locations, end quote. In fact, I'm going to expand on that. Apple employees received an internal email that had one part of it saying, quote, 
in light of current circumstances, wearing a face mask will no longer be required in most locations, end quote. Now, I'm curious what those current circumstances are because we're kind of in another COVID-19 surge and then there's an increased concern for other diseases like, you know, monkeypox is a growing concern. And now I should still add that doctors are still working out to what extent monkeypox could transmit from person to person through, you know, respiratory excretions. Uh, there's there's not a full understanding of that. There's some evidence to suggest that it can happen, but we don't know to what extent. However, I would think that would be enough to raise concerns in certain areas like, you know, California, for example, and suggest that maybe masks would be a good idea. So I don't I don't understand. In fact, over in San Francisco, which is not too far from where Apple headquarters is, I mean, it's not like super close, but it's not super far either. Uh, BART, which is also known as the Bay Area Rapid Transit System, has reinstated its mask mandate. So weird that Apple would remove its mask mandate just as, you know, down the road, BART is, is putting it back in place. I guess it just feels like odd timing to me. I am not sure what is going on here. Now, I will say that Apple's email reiterated that if employees feel more comfortable wearing a mask, they should do so. Uh, and that the company wants all employees to respect each other's decisions about whether or not to wear a mask. Um, again, just odd timing. I, I don't know what prompted that, but there you go. Next up, Apple reported a decline in its profits last week. Uh, the company's profits were down by more than 10% compared to the end of the second quarter of last year. Revenue, however, is up. The company is growing at a slower pace than it was last year, so it's still growing, just not growing as quickly. Uh, insert rant from Jonathan here about how using growth as a prime metric for business is ultimately destructive. Uh, I'm sparing all of you all that. This time, just imagine that I'm ranting about it now. Anyway, despite the fact that Q2 of 2022 didn't perform as well as Q2 of 2021, Apple still beat expectations. And so it saw its stock price increase as a result. The company also reported that Apple's services division saw 12% growth. Now, that's something that I would be a little bit concerned about given what's going on with Apple in the world right now. So Tim Cook has been guiding Apple into becoming more of a services company for years. That's That's been the, the path, the trajectory that Apple has been on for quite some time now. But we're seeing more regulatory agencies around the world pushing back against Apple's processes. At the heart of the matter for most of these is whether or not Apple's approach is ultimately anti-competitive. Uh, namely, that the company requires all in-app purchases to use Apple's own payment processing system, which automatically gives Apple a 15 to 30% cut of each in-app transaction. Uh, it gets a little more tricky than that, but that's the general gist of it. So if we see Apple lose ground on that matter, that would have a potentially massive impact on an increasingly important revenue source for the company, and it could force Apple to have to pivot again. But it's early days, and I expect we're going to see Apple perform well, at least in the short term. It's just the question of when is the other shoe going to drop? And now for some weird Apple news. The company has requested emergency relief from a U.S. court over how it cannot sell 5G iPhones and iPads in Colombia. 
And you might say, Colombia's not in the United States. That's a different country entirely. What is going on? All right, let's sort all this out. So Apple's 5G iOS products rely on patented technology that's out from Ericsson. So Ericsson holds the patent on these technologies. Apple does not dispute this. This is something that all parties agree upon. And until recently, Apple was paying a licensing fee to Ericsson to make use of that technology. So far, so good. But then Apple decided, yo, this is expensive and I'm not going to pay it anymore. And so Apple stopped paying Ericsson. So Ericsson started reaching out to various markets, with Columbia being a very early one, and, and said, hey, Apple is illegally selling these products they are violating our patents, so do not sell 5G products in your stores. Really, Ericsson said this to Colombian courts, and the courts in Colombia ordered stores there not to sell these 5G Apple products. So then Apple goes and files an emergency motion in the Eastern District of Texas, arguing that Ericsson owes Apple damages for disrupting its operations in Colombia. Now, the judges said, you're out of your cotton-picking minds. One, Apple, you're in the wrong here by refusing to sit down with Ericsson and negotiate a licensing fee. Two, Ericsson is within its rights to defend its patents. Three, this is not an emergency situation. And if you do this again, I'm going to make you go out there and get me a switch. I am paraphrasing, I should add. Anyway, now Apple's filing another emergency motion, so it might be switch time. Uh, and I'm sure that's going to get a fun response from the courts. And the argument is that Apple's making is, get this, it's human rights are being violated, as in Apple's human rights are being violated. So Apple, or maybe it's arguing its products, have had human rights that have been violated by this action by Ericsson. Now, you might be saying, but that none of those things that you talked about are actually human, and you are right. Now, you could potentially argue that corporations in the United States are granted a legal form of personhood, but that doesn't necessarily extend human rights to them. Plus, experts are arguing that even if it did, there are no human rights violations happening here anyway. So we'll have to see how this plays out. Uh, it might just be that Apple's trying to wait out Ericsson and hope that the loss of revenue will be enough to make Ericsson go belly up and they won't have to pay anything anymore because no one will be around to own those IP. Um, I don't know. It's just bizarre. It, it, this is one of those stories where, as I read it, I was thinking, am I awake or is this a fever dream? Uh, turns out I was awake. Amazon released its sustainability report and the news isn't great. Now, the company did try to spin it into a positive direction. So here's the quote unquote good news. Uh, Amazon has managed to decrease the amount of emissions it generates on a more or less per dollar level. So meaning the amount of emissions produced for every dollar of merchandise sold fell by just under 2%. Uh, they referred to this as carbon intensity. So from that perspective, things are moving in the right direction, right? Like per operation, Amazon's emissions are decreasing. But here's the big issue. Amazon also saw an enormous boom in business, and the volume of these operations increased dramatically. So while the carbon intensity of each individual operation dropped slightly, 
the total number of operations meant that carbon emissions ballooned by 18% in 2021. That means Amazon generated more than 71 million metric tons of carbon dioxide last year. As The Verge points out, that's roughly equal to the amount of carbon dioxide that 180 gas-fired power plants would generate over the course of a full year. The Verge also rightfully points out that companies like Amazon use stuff like carbon offsets to push toward being a net-zero carbon company on paper. But here's the thing. Offsets, really what that means is that you're pouring money into projects that are at least intended to remove carbon from the atmosphere in some way. Like it might be a program where you're planting lots of trees for all for certain amounts of carbon that you're emitting, and you get credits for that, right? Because you're spending money, you get credits that allow you to emit that carbon. Here's the problem. They're dumping all that carbon now, and the solutions can take years to mature and start to make an impact. So in the the in between that, you've got this growing issue of of increasing amounts of carbon being emitted into the atmosphere with the quote-unquote solution for the problem not really even making an impact until years later. You can't do that. That That is a, a recipe for disaster. It's heading toward collapse. But that is how a lot of these companies deal with trying to look like they're being carbon neutral. They're not actually carbon neutral. They're essentially buying the right to emit more carbon. And uh, since these companies have enormous amounts of money, they can do that because in the end, the money they spend in order to appear carbon neutral on paper is way less than the money they would have to spend to actually overhaul operations so that it truly was carbon neutral. Dark times, y'all. It's it's tough. And this is something, it's not just Amazon that does this. So I don't want to give that impression. It's not only Amazon that is guilty of kind of doing this sort of bait and switch or, or juggling numbers around on a piece of paper to make it look better. This is something that's problematic throughout multiple industries, not just the tech industry. So it's something that we really do have to pay more attention to and make sure that we address in a responsible way. All right, we've got a few more stories to cover before we conclude this episode. But first, let's take another quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. 
and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There is still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI, and Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. So the chairman of Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company, better known as TSMC, released a statement that I think kind of says the obvious. Like, it's something where everybody knows this, but I guess by saying it out loud, you make it more ominous. What he said was that if China were to invade Taiwan, that would cause huge economic turmoil in the entire region. It would change global economies, and it would render TSMC's semiconductor factories non-operable. Now, this has been something that's been a huge concern for a long time. So, so let's do a very quick Cliff's Notes version of what's going on here. Taiwan is off the coast of mainland China. The two entities, China and Taiwan, have had a long and complicated history. Way back in the 1940s, the Republic of China, which was the government that was in place of the entire nation at that time, was uh, being pushed out by the People's Republic of China, a totally different group. And the Republic of China fled to Taiwan. The People's Republic of China assumed control of the Chinese mainland. Essentially, both governments more or less claim that they're the rightful power for all of China. So uh, you have these two different entities that, uh, that essentially say, yeah, we're, we're in charge of everything. Um, while effectively, they operate separately. Uh, although China and Taiwan have a lot of connections, obviously. There are people who go back and forth. Uh, China has been accused of stealing talent from Taiwan for 
years now in order to bolster its own semiconductor uh, industry in China. And there have been tensions there for ages. So this has been a huge reason why places, uh, other places around the world, like particularly here in the United States, we've seen a real push to create semiconductor fabrication facilities in order to reduce the dependence upon Taiwan. Now, right now, Taiwan produces nearly half of all semiconductors that are used in the world, and and more than half if you're looking at the really advanced semiconductors. That's because, you know, Taiwan poured billions of dollars into developing this industry, and companies in other places like the United States chose to outsource manufacturing to Taiwan because it made more economic sense. But now, when you start looking at it and you look at the, the vulnerability of putting, you know, all of your semiconductor eggs in Taiwan's basket, you start to get a little nervous, especially when China seems to get a little more aggressive in its stance toward Taiwan. So an invasion would be a massive disruption to the entire tech sector and beyond. And I think the reason why this even came out in the news at all is because the United States Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, has announced a planned visit to Taiwan which in turn prompted China to warn that, you know, Western interference in Taiwan would raise tensions in the region. So there's this general worry that this is going to precipitate into uh, a cascading event that will upend the entire semiconductor industry. Uh, My hope is that that doesn't happen, because obviously if it did, it's going to be incredibly disruptive across everything. Um, It'd be terrible for for millions of people uh, directly affected by such a thing, and then indirectly billions more. So obviously, here's hoping that we don't see uh, this rhetoric grow into more drastic action. On the United States side, the government is placing more restrictions on uh, what companies are able to export to China when it comes to chip-making tools. So China's been investing billions in building more semiconductor facilities within China itself. And it has been importing some of the the advanced chip-making tools from other countries like Japan and the United States. So you can kind of look at this as a political approach to trying to slow China's progress a little bit. The U.S. government is essentially saying to companies within the U.S. that you cannot sell current tools to China. Uh, You can sell much older tools, tools that are essentially obsolete uh, when when you compare it to the state of the art of what we're capable of making. But you can't sell China any tools that would allow China to stay up to date on manufacturing processes. So again, it's another, another case of trying to slow down China's march toward global domination, at least in the technology sector. Over in Spain, there's some concerning news about a pair of hackers who disrupted a significant number of radiation detection sensors that are part of a radioactivity alert system there. Moreover, these two hackers apparently previously served as contractors who were put in charge of maintaining that network. So the people who were meant to take care of the network were dismantling it. Here's what happened. So Spain has several nuclear power plants. So in an, in an effort to assure safety, Spain also has this mesh network 
of around 800 gamma detection sensors. That network is meant to provide an early warning in case of something going wrong at one of these nuclear facilities so that we don't have a catastrophic disaster on the order of Chernobyl. Also, it means if the Hulk goes out for Paella, we'll know about it right away. Anyway, apparently these two contractors were purposefully sabotaging those sensors. They were effectively severing the connection between the sensor and the control center that monitors everything. And they did it to more than 300 of the 800 sensors. They also allegedly tried to delete a program that was designed to manage this network at the control center. Now, this was all happening last year between March and July, and investigators caught on to the fact that something was going on, and they launched an investigation that lasted a full year. Now, the two unnamed individuals have been arrested. Uh, No motive has been shared with the media, so there's no word if there was more to this plan or not. As it stands, the two hackers greatly reduced the detection capacity of the network, so if something had gone wrong with one of these nuclear facilities, it might have taken longer to detect it, which in turn could have been disastrous. But the question is, is this just part of a bigger plan? Maybe there was something far more destructive planned for the future. Maybe dismantling the warning system was step one to make sure that this more destructive plan would have a maximum effect. I, 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 don't, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe I've just watched too many James Bond films. Finally, Logitech is working on a handheld gaming system with Tencent Games. It sounds like the games themselves will be mostly running in the cloud. Uh, Logitech announced that the device will support Xbox Cloud Gaming and GeForce Now, which is from NVIDIA. There is an enormous lack of details about this. Logitech did not mention a release date. It did not mention what sort of price range this might be at or whether there will be different models of the device. We actually didn't see any pictures or illustrations of the thing, so we don't even know what it's going to look like. But there's definitely been a huge demand for handheld PC gaming systems. Valve came out with the Steam Deck, and demand was so high that they could not meet it. Like, the supply was way too low. And in fact, for a while, there was concern about, you know, people had put in reservations for one of these things. They didn't know if they were ever going to get one. Uh, Valve has said recently that people who had a current reservation as of four days ago would get their Steam Deck by the end of 2022. And I think they're going in a first-come, first-served basis. So in other words, the earlier you made your reservation, the earlier you will be able to get yours. I made a reservation for one, but I didn't make it until relatively recently. So I expect if I do get one this year, it'll be at the tail end of the year. But that's on me because I I was slow to act on that. So Logitech getting into the space makes sense. Having competition in handheld PC gaming is great. It's going to drive innovation for all parties concerned. So I think this is a good thing, especially if you do like having portable gaming systems. I've heard great things about the Steam Deck, you know, people talking about certain titles that are just a joy to play on Steam Deck. And I'm really hoping that I get a chance to try that out sometime toward the end of this year. So Logitech coming out with another model, I think, is nothing but good news. And hopefully it means that we'll see other ones also join in the market uh, that are well-designed so that ultimately the consumers benefit. And that's it for the news for Tuesday, August 2nd, 2022. If you have suggestions for topics I should cover in future episodes of Tech Stuff, please reach out to me. There are a couple of ways to do that. One is you can download the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download. You can just navigate over to Tech Stuff. 
And there's this little microphone icon that if you click on, you can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. And let me know what you would like me to cover. Or you can always reach out on Twitter. The handle I use on Twitter for the show is TechStuffHSW. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.